When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. I'm joined by Dan Barrett, Deputy Editor of Media Week. Hi, Dan. Hey, James. And Andrew Picardo. Seems ages, Andrew. It's only been a few weeks, I guess, but welcome back, Media Week contributor. Thank you very much, and it's been a huge week in TV, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. It's just like the start of a new year, isn't it? But the uh, short 14-week uh, run through, now there's only 13 weeks left as we speak to the end of survey. I've got to ask you first, and I'm guessing, I think I know your answer, but the Olympic Games, did you delve into it or not, Andrew? Oh no, I did. I, I watched oh, it okay. for hours and hours oh, really? on end. I'd sat up at night watching <laughs> it till all hours because you know not only do I really like the Olympics because I quite like those weird sports you don't see at any other time of the year. You know, I particularly, Boyacking. I particularly love a sport a sport where you prance out like synchronized swimming. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I love prancing. Well, this is my complaint <laughs> with sevens coverage. I knew we'd get to a complaint pretty okay. quick. This is ninety seconds in. L- look. <laughs> I guess we were someone no, uh, said it that we were extremely spoiled last time from London because we had those eight theme channels from Foxtel. But one of the things I loved about those theme channels was that if you're into swimming, you could go to that channel and it was always on and they were playing the events in full from start to finish. You were seeing them walk out. It felt like you were really there. And then when it wasn't live, they were just repeating it. And this year that wasn't happening. And we had three channels on seven and for the life of me i could not find out when the events were playing and on what channel even when you downloaded the seven app onto your phone and looked up their schedule it would say to you diving 5 a.m australia time and i'm like yes but what channel do you honestly expect me to tape all three channels overnight to see the sport i want to see i mean i'm i was furious it went on for you know no you could not find the sports when you wanted to find them if you need but basically their coverage was just watch all our channels all the time and maybe what you want to be be there and maybe it won't sorry not good enough for me but when you flip out at a tv channel or a station do you ever take direct action and ring or try and get in touch no i just by experience you know nothing will happen immediately i went on twitter and said what i thought about their app and the the lack of you know and and that's basically all i said i use twitter to complain (laughs) but also like you probably said something on jonesy and amanda's show yes i did so you've got a platform yeah yeah speaking out for the little man yeah yeah and dan i 
I'm not going to even guess this time. So, did you watch any Olympics? Look, the TV was on in the office. Uh, I saw some canoe, and my canoe. I was drawn to that. But I think that's the official title. Canoe. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, that looked all right. I mean, this is the thing with the like. I'm, I'm not going to watch it. I like the Winter Olympics when that rolls around. I'm a bit more drawn to those sports, but Summer Olympics. If I want to see people run, I can walk down the street. The I was expecting Seven to do a big wrap-up of how it all went, but the, they didn't really release a big... Um, I mean, not that it would have made great reading, but you expect that at, at the end of a, a massive big event like that, and it never really came. NBC put out a big release, most successful media event in history. <laughs> well, here's what Seven thought about the Olympics when they finished. You know, the advertised show last Monday night at 9pm after the first episode of Zumbo's Just Desserts was um, Rio Olympics memorable moments and then at 10pm a repeat of the closing ceremony. Now, they pulled that special memorable moments and replaced it with Australia's cheapest weddings, which wasn't supposed to start till this Monday. So that tells you everything what Seven thought about their coverage that we went from the biggest athletes in the world to bogans on a budget. (laughs) (laughs) Bogans on a budget. Seven did measure... Seven and NBC measured their uh, digital streams differently. Seven counted the number of separate streams and they got up to 37 million. NBC counted the uh, unique... um, unique users or unique customers so they got a hundred million different people streaming which is pretty good i mean that's, that's pretty good and what how many people in america dan what's the uh, population in the u.s like 200 something is it 250 300 million yeah something like that. let's call it round figures <laughs> that's a lot of people and nbc also counted in the number of minutes streamed so it was 3.3 billion which is just one of those big numbers it sounds a lot but you'd never know 318.9 million people there we go okay and so they got a hundred million could that be right different people anyway but it's a lot isn't it yeah that's a lot let's not get too did you use the seven app i did yeah not a lot but um, I, I just tried it out a few times. Yeah, I did too. It was a bit annoying. You got a pre-roll every time you wanted to change channels. That was a. I get that when you go in once. Yeah. And I think if you go in the first time, you actually got two pre-rolls. I think, didn't you? And then every time you flick from one to the other, you have to sit through another ad. That's in addition to all the ads going into the normal stream. Yes. So I found that a bit onerous, and it was almost a disincentive to change channels. I find it fascinating because I live somewhere where the internet is really bad i find it fascinating that the ad works just like that you sign on boom the ad comes on and then buffer to actually watch the olympics interesting that the ad always manages to play without an interruption well this is the thing with ad serving technology where that's always been the case a lot of organizations now are seeing the frustration oh sorry i was looking up ratings figures and there's an ad right now there's an ad right now the video i watched will just disappear in a sec but they've actually found their viewers are just so annoyed with the fact the ads work and the programs don't that one of the benefits of moving to the server-side ad insertions that you're starting to see now with SBS and I think Channel 10 deployed it earlier this year as well uh, is that the program, the ads being served from the same place as the program so you don't see that stop happen when the ad comes to an end. So, yeah, yeah because previously it's come from different servers and that kind of thing. Now it's just one sort of harmonious thing. So you'll see that happen less. But talking about NBC, yes. uh, there was a lot of complaints 
complaints, or well, I guess sort of accusations that they really lost out on millennial viewers this time. I think it was down by about 25% this year. Yeah, well, that's on their TV, mm, but presumably TV. a lot of those people are online. Well, there was a lot 100 of t- million of them there. There was a lot of talk, and this is what I was trying to find when an ad came up on Bloomberg. Uh, there was apparently a massive increase in the amount of Snapchat viewers. Uh, obviously, there weren't Snapchat viewers before, so it's always been an increase. But apparently, it was really like remarkable, the figures they were getting through on that. I can't find the actual figures just yet, but um, yeah, they really played up quite heavily, the digital platforms, to bring the millennials in, and I think they got them that way. But are you really watching the Olympics if you're just seeing a couple of snaps come through on Snapchat? It's not really no, You're following the that. score almost, really, aren't you? Yeah. Just, just the big events. I mean, Seven's biggest event uh, was 1.7 million people watching that uh, 4 by 100 metre relay where the US team... Uh, no, it was Jamaica one. Was it, it men's or women's? Men's, sorry. Yep, right. So, so Bolt um, yep. picked up his third medal for the games in that, didn't he? Um, so 1.7 million, which is big. And that's just the peak audience, but then it's a very short race. So yeah. presumably, I think that, that would have been the people watching the whole race. Um, the commercial shares, so that's the shares of people watching 7, 9 and 10. Seven's prime time share was 47% of that commercial audience. Afternoons was 55% and then mornings was 70% is pretty good but um you know in prime time 41 47 percent i mean if you're getting a third of that commercial audience it's 33 percent. so it's not a lot more than that was it you'd have but to wonder really the value sort of going on like when you're spending that much money for the olympics like where are the benefits if that's your audience that you're receiving through the games and then afterwards like we can talk about zumbo in a short while with the ratings there but i haven't really been able to launch anything big from the olympics no, I mean, that's, yeah, well, that's, uh, but I guess that's not the Olympics' fault, is it? It's probably the, the program's fault. I mean, they are reasonably big audiences, and, mm. and the biggest audiences on over that fortnight. But then the fact that nine backed off, ten half backed off mm. by, you know, shelving something like Offspring, yeah. gave them some clear air in theory, didn't it? So maybe those numbers should have been a bit better. Of course, in prime time, there were really no live events, which was a bit frustrating, wasn't it? You got a bit sick of highlights, so you were sort of... Um well, it just it felt to me all the time that I was watching highlights on Seven. You know, sometimes I would go between Seven Mate and Seven and they'd be playing the same thing. It was like, are you serious? We've got two channels now playing the same basketball game. Come on. The whole point of having three channels is to sort that out in advance so that if you don't want to watch basketball, you've got an alternative. That's what I found so frustrating about it. And, you know, I went to the app and, you know, I didn't see any diving this olympics i sat up till all hours i could not you know when it and it i even went to the app on my you know seven app on the phone and every time i clicked on the diving there was nothing there so you know it was it it was frustrating for me because there was some sports that i saw last year that i actually had kept on my hard drive i actually went onto my hard drive and looked at some of that uncut footage from foxtel and rewatched some of the events and thought this is what i want i one events in their entirety yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, network you you acting like peter finch yelling out your window oh it's mad as hell which would be Where's funny the bloody be- diving <laughs> given i don't watch sport at any other time oh, no, of the no. year i can't really jump up and down about the fact that you know I, I couldn't get to see my my sports this time it's not really my thing just interesting thinking about them not playing the sports in prime time uh one of the big complaints about nbc we were discussing earlier uh with them they're actually delaying quite a few of the yeah. sports depending on which coast you were in 
and then there was just a lot of grievance happening. For they the were caught fans. out delaying a lot of stuff because mm. people on the Canadian border were watching stuff live on CBC oh, yeah. in Canada and switching over to and going, what the hell, you know? Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, so then Sevens used the uh, games to... To, to launch off some of its returning and new programs, 7-1 Monday, Tuesday, or sorry, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Nine's picked up Wednesday and Thursday this week and is actually a little bit ahead on the week to date. Um, the Block and Australian Survivor went up against games highlights on the Sunday night. What were you watching, Andrew McCarthy? Okay, so I watched The Block for the first half an hour from 7 to 7.30 and then I switched over to Australian Survivor. Um, and you know what I make? I always make jokes about The Block because it's been going so long and particularly amusing me that it was coming from an old soap factory this time. <laughs> but look, I've got to say, I watched that first half hour. That first half hour was really good. They were doing something really, really clever. They were introducing the people and doing that opening conversation with them and getting the person to say something and then going, oh, hang on a sec, let's just flash forward a bit and then, you know, fast forwarding to some event that's going to happen in a few weeks' time and showing that the person was full of shit. I actually thought, (laughs) but you know what, I actually thought that was really, really clever to make you, you know, see that this was, that they're mixing things up there. I thought it was well cast. I thought, you know, the first half hour was great. Am I going to watch it on a regular basis? No, I'm not. I've seen it all before. But, you know, I understand now why it launched with a million plus viewers because I think it really helps them only doing one series a year. They've made it special this year. The audience is there and it's very well made. And they're only going to be doing three nights a week apparently for all the way through. So makes it easier for people to commit. And makes it more special too. Mm. So then you turn to then Australian I turn Survivor. Australian Survivor. Yeah. Thoughts? Look I liked Australian Survivor. I'm not really the Survivor guy. Um, by the end of Survivor, I was starting to get distracted and I was flicking over watching the Olympics and oh, I'll, come, I'll come back and see who gets eliminated. I watched Survivor the second night. Now I got distracted and went off and did other things. It looks great. I think it's well cast. Um, I think 10 would probably be wishing it was doing a little bit better based on the fact that it's getting, you know, 780,000. I would have thought it would have, frankly, opened with a lot. If you'd been on social media that night, on Sunday night, I went on Twitter, everybody was watching Survivor. That's all they were talking about. And positively. That first episode of Survivor. Yeah, really positively. But I thought that it would have reflected... Again, it was... But you know what? I seem to remember this when The Bachelor started too. The first night The Bachelor started, everyone on Twitter was talking about it. But, of course, what happens there is very different from the reality of who's actually watching the show. Um, but I think the demo, the demos for Survivor must be pretty good because... Mm. I mentioned to Dan earlier in the week, what, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter now during TV because I've lost the vibe of that. It just, you know, <laughs> I'd rather focus on the show than what's happening on social. But I did go on on the Sunday night and what struck me was the... Um, and because I hadn't been there for a while, was the volume of traffic just didn't seem big anyway. I, I know there was more about Survivor, but just not a lot in general. Yeah. Whereas in the old days, the stuff used to just flow. Everybody was, you know, mm. now there's a lot less people. And go, do you find that, that there's... Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm like you. I find it really hard sometimes to uh, watch the show and tweet. I, I rarely do it. Mm. You know, it's got to be I wonder something... how some people do it, though, because I just can't bang out <laughs> everything in the ad break. And some people I'd do it while the show's still on because it's yeah. not an ad 
that break. So yeah. to me, if I, I can't multitask like that, I, I need to concentrate on the show. Yeah, and I've actually decided that the funniest tweets on Q&A, the person's actually thought about it in advance. I think people sit down and look who's going to be on Q&A and think up some funny one-liners because sometimes they're just so fast. I think, how do you think of that so quickly? And then type it, and then it's been picked on screen. But yeah, I think some of it's worked out in advance. Mm. Yeah, I found some of the social integration on Zumbo a little bit strange where there's just all these very highly positive tweets being displayed on screen and some of them felt kind of a bit network PR-y I'm not accusing anyone of just but it just seemed these weren't bit. from seven personalities they no were they were just from generic viewers yeah, yeah. Shmurri's at home so <laughs> what did you think of Zumbo's just desserts well, should we finish off Survivor yeah, oh, yeah keep going should, on yeah. Survivor yeah. so we Dan you're, now oh. you are a Survivor well look my thing is because uh, I'm not a big reality guy I sort of stumbled across the American Survivor about three or four years ago and I really liked it like it was one of the few formats that have actually spoken three to or me. four years ago so what were you doing for the previous <laughs> I wasn't watching it I was found other stuff to watch James <laughs> there's plenty of things out there in the world um, but it was just something that I'd never bothered uh, the amazing race previously I'd given a bit of a go to but Survivor only checked out and I'm like this is actually kind of working for me so I really enjoyed the few seasons I've watched with that and I like the Australian one in the very beginning they actually acknowledge the fact there's other people that live on the island uh, the American one is just kind of them on the island in this one they do have these purposeful shots where you see them driving to their location at the beginning and you see all the locals sort of looking at them as they drive past but isn't that un- that's only the arrival though isn't it that's only the arrival yeah, so they're not, you don't see that anymore they're not mixing sort of during the thing no. but at least it's an acknowledgement that they're there and it sort of felt a bit more like they're actually in this location and the so other I thing like I that. wondered when you say doing something that you don't often see the, the other thing I noticed on that first episode was that they were talking about watching Survivor that always seems to be the, the no-no with a reality show that you're not talk about the fact that you've oh. seen on TV before I've seen them do that in US one you have there. okay yeah uh, so there was this one guy from the first season I watched the US one uh, John Cochran who went on to win and he was like a Survivor Uber fan and so a lot of the story around him was just how much of a fan of, he, of the show he was and then sort of charting that progression as just went through yep. to the and uh, very charming guy as well so you know everyone was behind him uh, but yeah so we saw the people living on the island so I thought that was kind of nice and it seemed a little bit earthier and grittier okay in a way that I don't think it quite looks as shiny as the US one it still looks shiny but it's just something slightly sort of off about it which I kind of liked it felt mm-hmm. more textured um, and then the other thing what I always find in the first few episodes of Survivor is you get all these people on there talking about how they're going to play the game and it's all about this thing of lots of bravado of oh I ha- know how this works and so it's all those pieces of the camera are painful in the first few episodes because essentially these are the people that won't get through because they're too busy <laughs> obsessed with playing the game as opposed to actually playing the game it's like how writers talk about oh I'm a writer and they'll tell everyone at the coffee shop how much of a writer they are but they never really publish anything yeah. okay and I'm it's the same really thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so this early sort of stage and like my partner was sitting on the couch just getting annoyed at all the uh, very reality show trope heavy sort of aspects of this first episode and she just sort of gave up and walked out of the room but like I sort of knew that it's because these people are the idiots that are actually going to get knocked out kind of early and then as the actual gameplay really starts heating up it gets a bit more interesting the so host- maybe as that happens the ratings will start improving yeah. the host Jonathan Lapalia uh, I don't know it kind of feels like he's playing the role of host as opposed to being the host 
Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him. I appreciate. Yeah. Oh yeah. look, I liked him. I thought he was good. Yeah, I, thought I thought he was, he was all right. But he, and- he had his shirt off in the or a singlet on or something. The veins in his yes, arm. Were they? He did. He was <laughs> did, very veiny. Yeah. I know. Was, did, was there any commentary of that on social? Well, or? there certainly was on Gogglebox. Oh, was you know, they, they, they talked about that? They picked that up straight away. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I was on a plane the night that Survivor launched. Uh, like I'd seen it already from a preview. Uh, but that night, like I got off the plane, all I saw was all these tweets about the veins. So <laughs> yeah. people were noticing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I thought he did a reasonable job. And I liked those um, those first tribal councils. I thought it worked really well. Um, and, they, yeah, you were right, Toy. They set up those two people. So they obviously, whoever gets chucked out, they make sure they're sprinkled all throughout that episode oh, yeah. and made to look a bit clownish or whatever. But um, they, I think they were, people who were in there for the long haul would be happy to see the back of those two people because that, that first guy was very annoying, I thought. Dez. Um, you know. I could see what he was trying to play, but he amped it up just too much. Yeah. I know. There were some yeah. calls for people saying, oh, you know, Channel 10 will be hoping this guy stays. But I was thinking, no way. <laughs> Let's get, let's get rid of him, please. You can only watch that for so long. <laughs> so the, the point is now, are you going to want to watch Australian Survivor three nights a week? Well, this is the bit of contention here at the Media Week offices, which is that I'm not a big reality guy. I'm very excited by the fact Australian Survivor's there, but they're an hour and a half each, three episodes a week. I don't think I've got that much time to dedicate it to it. And you're either all in or you're not. And I'm kind of really feeling that if I can't get through all three episodes next week, that's probably me tapping out. So this is basically reaction because 10 had Australian Survivor Sunday, Monday night, and then The Bachelor Wednesday, Thursday, and their weak point was Tuesday night with Modern Family and yeah. Life in Pieces. And it was so really they stark this week, wasn't it? Yeah. When got to Tuesday, their ratings went bong before they climbed back up for Wednesday. But see, this is the thing, though, with Free to Wear, it's the problem, isn't it? That they want to lock viewers in by longer episodes, multi-nights, but the risk of doing that is you alienate a lot of viewers who aren't going to play that game. They'll yep. say, look, I'm going to decide how much time I sit in front of the TV, not some bloke in his office in Willoughby or Piermont, okay? And so they lose that audience, don't they? Yeah. Whereas if I think they, they pulled it back, made it simpler episodes a bit shorter maybe not so many a week well then you, you could hook those viewers long term to these series mm. and like realistically if I was into Australian Survivor and then there was another format the next night that I'm into there's a chance they keep me as a viewer but I think going from hardcore reality event TV into American scripted which we all know isn't really playing that well anymore across the board like that's one where you lose people you actually need something to drive people it doesn't need to be another event reality show you just need something which is exciting viewers now and that's just not quite on the board. Not See, the I, I think I mean, when you talk about you know American script are not working, but I think that's again part of the problem of why shows have been programmed here. None of those shows have ever started on a the same time every week have they they've always been okay one night it might be quarter to nine next week it'll be 20 past nine <laughs> viewers just don't put up with that if they don't want to watch the lead about the scripted stuff or yeah, yeah. yeah those, some of those some of those American shows which are really good you know Remember I don't how- think viewers sit down and go oh I'm not going to watch American anymore I yeah. just want Aussie like, you don't think like that do you you no. just go to your favourite show I know this a long time ago but do you remember how Channel 9 used to screen Friends on a Monday night Seven started at that first season they continued it they never ever got greedy back then they probably would have done it a little bit differently <laughs> now given what they did to two and a half men but remember that Friends was on a Monday night at 7.30pm when they ran out of new episodes they just played repeats once a week Monday nights they never got the temptation to stream 
strip it. They never... And, you know, you always knew, wasn't it? And that show raided its tits off till the very end. Modern Family... I mean, let's think about how many time slots it's bounced around on Channel 10 schedule. It's not special anymore. Yeah, and I think local things like Bondi Rescue, you know. Um, mm. You look at that, it used to be Tuesday night, 7.30 yep. or 8 o'clock, whatever it's it was. It's been everywhere but, this year. But yeah, it's been all over the shop, you know. And it, I think the slippery slope started when they started to move it, you know. Then they did a... They did a so they went to Bali for a few episodes or something. That may be screened on another night from memory. And, you know, people love that. You know the um, the schedule. They love they love you know the the regularity. Of it. Surely, part of the problem for Australian TV programmers who are trying to schedule an American scripted series is that we're starting to see a lot of the US content is becoming more niche focused. So all the best stuff's generally on cable, but if you're just going at what's playing on the broadcast networks, you're finding a lot of sitcoms. Like I'm thinking about the broad sort of comedies now are things like Blackish, which is an African American family sitcom, which works really well in the US, but it is so heavily um, focused on African-American cultural um, relationships with uh, white people and I guess what that really means to be black, which is perfectly cool in the US. And you can watch that and say, well, I understand what's going on, but it doesn't really resonate in the same way as other shows. And I'm struggling to think of many broadcast shows from the US that are comedies or half hours at least that really aren't playing to a niche audience that's a bit more US focused. Like, I just can't think much. Like, you've got Modern Family and one or two others, but that's kind of about it. Hmm. Like it's become so niche and then yeah. you can't play a lot of cable stuff on free to wear because they're only usually 8 to 13 run week runs so you may have a few weeks of repeats in there that you have to drop in but you don't get that audience viewership the loyalty to actually stick around with it so I don't know I don't think you can really get away with scheduling that stuff anymore yeah but then they're not making any long run stuff in Australia anymore are they I mean, no. 10 seems to be the maximum now for a, for a series almost it's hard to just generate that loyalty with viewers like why do you stick with it yeah, no. yeah, especially as it's all over the shop. I mean, Survivor's never more than 60 minutes in the US. Is That's it? right. Is, what are it's we... always within the hour. Yeah. It'll start at 9, finish at 10, and yeah. whatever it is. I'm finding the 90 minutes is a bit of a slog. Yeah, mm. well, yeah. that's what I thought. That's why I, but both nights I got bored in that last half hour and went, geez, when does this finish? Yeah. Mm. But even if it was 90 minutes once a week, you'd probably mm. commit to that, wouldn't you? But yeah. they're, they're stretching the friendship, aren't they, for three nights? Right? Of 90 minutes, yeah. Um, Zumbo on Monday night didn't watch all of it I watched a little bit I really wanted to like it and I didn't mind it but um, you know I'm not going to bag it but I would have liked it to have been a little bit cooler a little bit less I, I mentioned on our seven days podcast it was a little bit like a girl's birthday party like a young girl's it was almost like kids tv at times yeah which Did is you? weird because James loves girls birthday parties <laughs> I, I, I only watched the first half of the first episode as a preview and I was just really shocked at how much Zumbo wasn't in the show. It felt it, thing, yeah. it was cutaways. He he basically walked out and said, Okay, I'll leave you with it, left them with some girl who Gigi. Yeah, Gigi. Who no one's ever heard of. Yep. And then next minute there were these cutaways to him with Rachel Koo. She was in this big freaking evening dress and they were up on a balcony <laughs> like they were watching the opera and I'm like, they're not there. This is a cutaway. That was filmed at a completely different time. That's when I just went, I'm out of here. I, <laughs> I wouldn't have watched the show anyway, but I was shocked that you would name a show and put Zumbo in the title of the show, which is a really stupid title by the way, Zumbo's Just Desserts and then not put him in the show. Yeah, I noticed in the second episode, because I remembered reading your critique of that, they did have him down on the floor a bit more in episode two. Right. So 
So, you know, maybe they'd looked at it and realised how absent he was. And yeah, he still was missing. I, I watched a bit of episode three and I think he was still... I kept looking at Stringer yeah. going, oh, where is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot more Gigi on the show than and the other two. It got criticised a little bit for stealing a format from maybe MasterChef. Maybe they should have stolen a bit more of it from uh, MasterChef and kept it simple. You know, I mean, you like the set. I think you found it impressive in real life. In real life, it doesn't look as exciting on the show, hmm. which is a bit strange. I'm um, just talking about Zumbo, and myself and James uh, met Zumbo and Gigi. We did a podcast, which you can listen to, find the Media Week site, or take your podcast feeds. Uh, but when we sat down and talked to him, the one thing I sort of found chatting to him, because I'd never met him before, the first sort of 10 minutes, like, just felt a little bit stilted. I think we were there for about 40 minutes chatting, and he just seemed a little bit sort of reluctant to really talk about it. But as soon as he started really engaging, him on some things that weren't just standard PR questions. Like, he really came alive and he's a really charming, just interesting guy and watching the show, like, the guy that I met in real life wasn't really present on screen. And he's clearly someone that gets a little bit nervous, I think, maybe on camera and he's not in his element. He's not actually gregarious and outgoing, is he? It's a shame the format didn't really play to his strengths as a person and really find that way to bring out the man that exists beneath, because I really like him. He's such a charming person in real life but it's just not there on the telly. I wonder if because that um, that I mean they might be onto something there that they could fix, but you've got to think if that just shows, you know, keeps getting bad, it'll just be no. yeah, and that'll be the end of it. He won't get another crack. But I think he's good. He's good talent. He's very clever at what he does. And I'd like to see a season two of it. I think there are a few refinements they could make to make him a bit more comfortable. I don't think you need him and Rachel Koo. Rachel Koo, as lovely as she seems, like there's no reason. Oh, I'm both a big them. Rachel Koo fan. No. Yeah, <laughs> but they just don't. Yeah, they don't seem to be any reason they're both there. And yeah, like it's a bit much. So maybe they just need to downsize the scale of the set and make it a bit more intimate and have him just be more of a presence mm. within it mm. and keep those really that outlandish and gaudy set for a special special events or something you know yeah. maybe, maybe a finale and things like that you can go crazy but just your regular episodes should look like regular episodes because if you're doing special every night well it's not special is it yeah, yeah. just have a zumbo in a kitchen somewhere like you know a nice kitchen but mm. just have it in a place that you know all the contestants because yeah, i think yeah seeing him in his workplace or something would be interesting wouldn't it Making yeah it just look like his factory or something where he churns out all this magical stuff as that, opposed to making it so willy wonka yeah isn't it well, yeah, as soon as i watched it I went, oh, right i know what the inspiration <laughs> for this was you know well, he's also really into willy wonka he's got this giant wonka tattoo on his arm and yeah so it's a big part of how he sort of sees himself but I don't think that show necessarily reflects the man that Yeah, but of course it's easy being uh, clever in hindsight, isn't it, about uh, what works and what doesn't. Which is why I think they can go for a second season and actually refine it and Mm. yeah, Yeah. play with it. Um, Broadly, again, I don't watch a lot of reality stuff, so I don't watch your MasterChefs and I'm not tired of some of those tropes and honestly, I don't even know where some of those tropes are because I'm not that familiar with the formats. But watching the show, like I enjoyed it, but I love desserts as well, so that really got me over the line. (laughs) Well, same. uh, I, I can do that stuff so I, I could eat anything Zumbo creates or um, yeah. gets his people to work on yeah. So, uh, yeah. the other weird thing uh, just from having met some of the contestants so I went to the launch of Zumbo's Just Desserts and I met like a bunch of the contestants and the perception I had of them in real life was really quite different to how they really show 
on in the series, which you get that with reality shows anyway. But there was this one guy that's featured quite heavily in the first few episodes. Uh, he's the gentleman of whom was a car salesman, and he kept on failing with his jelly setting. Okay? But, like, I saw him on that, and I was like, car salesman, and, like, I just kept on seeing him fail on screen. I just thought, you know, this guy's a bit of a douche. But, met him in real life, really pleasant, nice <laughs> guy. Apparently doesn't really like selling cars. He hasn't really done that for about a year now. And it's just kind of, I don't know, like, this guy was just so pleasant in real life, and I just didn't see him on the screen. And he wasn't a villain on the screen or anything, but it's just a shame some of these personalities aren't being captured. So, tell us quickly about that launch. I mean, so, this proves Dan Barrett can't be bought, Andrew. So, Seven took him down to the launch. <laughs> yeah. Fed him so much dessert he would burst. And he'll still give an honest opinion of the program. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, that, so, tell us what happened. What, again, so yeah, also, but, I'd like to stress, I'm not being dismissive of the program, but, you know, yeah, I just think yeah. there's some things they can tidy up. So, what happened? So, they had the event in Melbourne. Now, was there, was it full of dessert? What, what uh, was yeah, so, was it like Zumbo's patisserie, patisserie down there? Or was it at his actual... Um, yeah, so, it was at the... A business down there, was it? Yeah, okay. so, there's like a large restaurant cafe at the back and then a traditional cafe, uh, like Zumbo uh, sweet shop at the front. Uh, basically, they fed us uh, three meals. I should have brought the menu with me. Uh, but like, it was just sort of... Was it all dessert or you had actually... No, we had like three proper. sort of savouries at the beginning okay. and they were all delicious. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty impressive. But then the desserts came out and it was like a red velvet... It's, uh, pronounced schwa? C-H-O-Y-X? Mm. How do you pronounce that word? Schwa, yeah, I've never... I always see it written. <laughs> Awkward. Uh, there was one of those. There was some like um, ice cream things which are delicious as well. And yeah, dessert on dessert, like each of them was better than the last. Uh, the Krakenbush obviously came out at oh, the end. Did. Which was a shame because as delicious as that she was... had no room left, right? Well, I had no room for it huh. and I had a cab that was Hasn't about to... Hasn't stopped you before. <laughs> well, it didn't because the cab was <laughs> arriving because I had to get out of there and meet my plane so I could get to the airport and then meet another plane. It was a big day. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I was scarfing desserts back and yeah, it's all delicious but man, I was feeling the sugar what on a cab right life, home. life, eh? Come uh, on. It, it did feel to me that it got advertised far more than any other show during it the did, Olympics. didn't it? Yes. Every time. So, t- if I'd seen that ad one <laughs> more time. But it clearly worked for them because people yeah. turned out for episode one. They did. It's just obviously not enough people dug it to want to stick with that and instead went to the other big competition on the night. Well, I have questioned Severin quite closely about that, particularly during the tennis when they flog My Kitchen Rules. So you think, I'm not going to watch this show because I've seen so many ads. I'm going to protest and not turn it on. But their response is... You can't advertise too much. Okay. You've just got to ram it home. And with My Kitchen Rules, they have different ads too, don't they? Because they've got all those couples. They can focus on a couple. But that Zumbo ad, it was the same (laughs) freaking ad over and over again. But maybe you actually need it to be the same ad for the repetition to set in with people. So, I mean, if they went for the thing where it was, you know, like six variations on the ad, where it's telling different stories of people there and coming out of different perspectives, maybe it doesn't resonate. No, I think as long as you've got the same opener and closer or something. It was a good promo. Don't get me wrong. The floating dessert, it was great. It's just I saw it a thousand freaking times. While you were waiting for the diving, yeah. for the Which I never synchronated saw. swimming. All I saw was the freaking Zumbo promo. Well, guys, I didn't watch the Olympics. I just saw that ad once. It was very charming. <laughs> um, what else did Seven put on this week? Uh, 800 words returned. Yep, yep. Um, I watched most of that first episode of the second season. I liked it. Yes, um, me too. Yep, yep. The family sort of came back together. That was charming. Yep. Now, I, I didn't quite follow. Now, his former editor has turned up in New Zealand. She turned up in the season she, finale yeah, last okay. year. Yeah, okay. That's they what I was kissed, trying to remember. They got it on, and then this year they Because there was a bit back. of a frosty 
yeah. I wasn't because I couldn't remember, and I'm thinking, oh, are they, have they been on together, or well, are they but, just? But see, that it was never. She was never going to stick around because he's got all these horny Kiwi women in the town that are trying to There's crack. So onto. many possibilities. There's so many. I mean, many. that's one of the interesting things of yeah. the show. Yeah. There's all these potential candidates for a love interest. You know, yeah, they're everywhere. So the unrequited sexual tension between his editor was sorted out. They then decided it wasn't really working. She's on a plane back to Sydney now. That they go back to what the show is about, which is which one of those young, which one of those women will he end up with? Not young, but you know. Now we go back to what the show is again. And you know, what I love about this the I love the New Zealand part about it. I just love that it's in New Zealand. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and I'm just thinking this now, actually, but I would like to see that with other parts of the world. It doesn't have to be just, why can't you do something like that in Indonesia or, why not? you know, Thailand, yep. Europe, whatever. Get into some of those co-pros like that. I don't be really fascinating. Because it know? does look beautiful and it, it, it also, it's shot so beautifully, it makes you think that New Zealand's a summer destination, isn't it? You think that beach is like you surf, you sunbathe nude there, it's a nude beach and all this. You think, actually, the truth would be it'd be pretty freaking gone most of the time right but but that's the that's the beauty of that show that they make it look so beautiful and it does look beautiful yeah so i haven't really watched it but nude beaches you say there's, <laughs> there's a nude beach in 800 words the school teacher every time george goes surfing she's lying there nude going oh hi george how are you <laughs> but surely like channel 7 nude it's not channel 7 nude yeah. you see nothing you see a body but, but, but i body, think this week yeah. no 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 yeah you do see a body you're right and this week uh woody and eric thompson have a fight at the nude beach while they're in the nude because I've read about this. Wearing little modesty patches, but it's there. Woody. <laughs> character's name. Interesting. Let's try a bit of water there. <laughs> Do we need to talk about the crash landing yes, on the now moment I away? want to get to this. And, and you now, so Monday night. Yeah. Had the plane crashed Monday night? No, this is what was so bizarre. I would have thought, if you think back, do you remember back to 2000 when the Olympics oh, were on in Sydney? On. Right. But again, when we talk about ads that we saw ad nauseum, what had happened was there'd been a landslide in Summer Bay and everyone was underneath the dirt. It wasn't all... the mine shaft. Was that a separate? No, it wasn't the mine there shaft. There was a mine shaft. There was too, a mine it? shaft. Yeah, two twins got caught in the mine shaft and were talking to each other psychically from memory. <laughs> but there was some sort of rock slide or landslide and all through the Olympics it was like will they survive and so I just assumed that the plane had crashed the last night of the Olymp before the Olympics and that this whole thing would be about who will survive but in actual fact the plane didn't go down until the Monday night right okay so are there even hills in Summer Bay for like <laughs> landslides look at it look they actually they did it really well I don't know how they did it it, it, it must have been CGI because there were these huge um, aerial shots, overall shots, and, and the plane, the, 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 the effects were amazing. The plane crashed into a sand dune and the wing came off, and it, it looked really, really the, good. It was a small commuter jet but like a but it didn't have any branding on it is that no. correct the plane so. no god knows where it came from Alf's, <laughs> Alf's son's come back and he's a pilot I, I, I don't know but you know look, look in terms of stunt because I've criticised Home and Away in the past for doing really cheap looking stunts you know a bomb that went off with a little bit of animated fire on the screen but this they really spent the money and it looked 
amazing. Mind you, those blokes in Home and Away, they are so dumb. It's unbelievable. They even said that. Even Shane Withington said, listen, you bozos, don't go out there looking for the plane till we get a bit of an idea where it is. Oh, no. They couldn't wait. Off went James Stewart and the other guy. Off to the bush. Oh, yelling out in the bush. It's like, you idiots. The plane took off. It could be anywhere. No, only in Home and Away do the dopey blokes get into a car. We've got to do something right now. Did they find it, though? Of course they didn't. Although two of them are lost wandering in the bush, so this is going to go on for a bit longer. And we don't know yet who survived still? Uh, or if basically perished? everyone survived. See, if you paid real close into the promo, the promo didn't say who will survive or who will die. So it was pretty obvious so that they were all going to survive. Because oh, right. they would have said, right, if yeah. someone died. Okay. Yeah, they would have well, said it. I thought it. I saw something that said... No. What's happened is that um, a couple of them set off to, you know, go in search of civilization, and then the plane exploded and the rescuers saw that and f- found everyone on the ground. Um, so they've been taken back, but now they've got to find the others that went Would a off. soap viewer feel a little bit robbed without a, a death? Yeah, well, I always say that. If you're going to go to all that trouble and do something big, kill somebody. You know? Because otherwise there's not much return, is there? No. And and it's a long, protected death. You know, they're there in the sand, slowly dying. You could really It's like watching a reality TV episode when no one gets chucked out. Yeah. (laughs) What am I watching this for? What's been the general fan reaction to it? Are people excited by this storyline? I don't know. I I didn't look at Twitter. I I didn't see Mm. what the reaction was The ratings indicate... so-so. I mean, it had a slightly better week, probably, but yeah. not, you know, not out of the blocks or anything. My favourite bit, though, was the, uh, <laughs> the the method acting from uh, uh, Lynn McGranger when the, the plane actually crashed and because there was no oxygen on the plane. So, so that's when, Irene, right? The Irene, yes. Yep. And so when they finally all got off on the plane, it was this big, huge wide shot and everyone sort of fell out onto the sands coughing. No, Irene, she fell to the knees and had a spew. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. I want Irene having a chuck in the sand. Yes. <laughs> so Georgie Parker's still on the show. She's still there. Shane with yeah, former greats from yeah. country practice. They're still all there. All the, all the biggies are still there. Um, who was the who was the guy who played the cop? He came back again. Um, oh, do you uh, mean what, what, from years ago? He came no, no. Back? This year he came back. He was in there recently, and he was. Oh, Not Jeremy Lindsay Taylor. Yes, yeah, okay. Yes, well, I yes. think this was the first time he was in the show. Oh, but it? he oh, came okay. back talking about a previous relationship he'd had with oh, that see, okay. other policewoman when he used to abuse so her. So, like, we've had him here, I thought, yeah. and he's great. And he is. He's great actor. Now, was he a crooked cop? He, was, he, he wasn't He was a crooked cop, but he was a nasty... He was a bad guy. Okay. I think he was an okay cop, but, but he was... a nasty person. He was physically abusing her and mentally oh, abusing her, and then he, he, he became nasty again. Was that Pia... Pia Miller, yeah. PMA, yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. Now, according to the Home and Away fan website, Back to the Bay, which I'm sure we're all regularly checking out, uh, there has there's expected to be a death coming because there is some Snapchats going around of a memorial service. Oh. Now, I'm not going to name who's photographed no, spoilers. So they're onto it. Yeah. So there could be still a bit to unfold in that storyline. Yeah. Okay. All right, good stuff. Um, anything else during this week that was notable I'll, that 
Well, coming up this weekend, we've got Channel 7's other brand new show, which is the Big Music Quiz. Oh, of course. Now, both myself and Andrew have seen the first episode. Did you watch beyond the first one? <laughs> no, I didn't even make it through the first one. I watched about half an hour of the first one. Yeah, it's, it's a really good music quiz show for people that found Spicks and Specs a little bit too hard. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way of doing it. Okay, so this is basically the Big Music <laughs> Quiz. So, they play the intro for a song, and then you've got to guess what the song is based on the intro and then studio audience are all like hyped up on red cordial and they're all <laughs> dancing and the celebrities all jump up and dance with them um, and then they guess the song and go yeah it's uh, hit me one more time by Britney Spears and they all scream and then they do it again and then they do it again and on and on it goes okay here's the thing so watching it just in the context of general Australian TV it feels a little bit sort of um, we've kind of felt it before but we haven't really seen a big party show like this on TV for a while and that's where I think the show is going to find some success I think that people will actually you know get engaged in it it's not really for me I'm not quite after a big party show but there's been proven success in the US in the last year and a half these big party shows are doing really well you've got Lip Sync Battle which is an hour of people just lip sync battling on screen so you've got two celebrities each miming songs and audiences go nuts for it ratings have been really good for it on NBC I'm pretty sure in the US you've had Hollywood Game Night, which is Jane Lynch and two teams of celebrities, and a pretty good name celebrities as well. Uh, Lip Sync Battle was like great names. Yeah, celebrities. they were great, like, weren't they? It's like Tatum Channing and this kind of Beyonce, I think, is in one of them. You know, there's some big names. Uh, but Hollywood Game Night, it's just them playing sort of um, cocktail party parlor games, and that's going on for an hour, and that massive success over there. So I think there's a good shot for Seven to really do something here. I'm not a fan of the show, but I yeah. think it's going to do okay. I, I, I certainly don't think that it's. Um you know, Darren McMullen's been doing a lot of interesting interviews this week and he, he describes it as being irreverent and a chance for him to be wild and crazy again. I'm not quite <laughs> sure that it is irreverent. It's Sunday night at 7 o'clock. There's really nothing rude in it. Um, Did he pull that out of the pr matic machine? Look, he's done some pretty disgraceful interviews this week, I thought. I've read it in TV Week. I've seen him in TV tonight. I think the one rule in television is that you don't bag a show you've just left and a show that's maybe made you famous and We're he's had the voice he's had lots and lots of uh narky things to say about the voice you know how it was getting stale and you know he wasn't growing as a human being there because the format's crap and you know they're making young kids cry and he couldn't do it anymore and it's not the sort of tv that he'd watch and well i'm like seriously mate <laughs> let's let's just break this down he left channel nine to go to channel seven while he was doing the voice channel nine created a role for him in House Husbands. There's a lot of actors in Australia that would love a role to be created for them in a hit TV show. Darren McMullen got one. He was brought in as the boyfriend of Guyton Grantley. We sat here with the creators of House Husbands and they said, oh, we love him. Darren McMullen, we love him. We love him. I bet they don't love him anymore because (laughs) they married him off to Guyton Grantley at the end of the show in a gay wedding, which is, you know, and he's walked away from Nine and said, F you to House Husbands and The Voice. And now as scriptwriters, they're Guyton Grantly again, single again. I mean, seriously. And then he bags them as he slams the door on the way out and goes to Seven and says, I'm doing this incredible, fun music quiz show that's irreverent. I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. The the program, I think, so it's 7 o'clock Sunday, which means it could be good news for the survivor, uh, for um, the block, which was also 7. But I was thinking, why doesn't 10 start Survivor at 7 o'clock on Sundays? 
instead yeah. of another half hour a week. Um, well, they're doing repeats but they do something at, at 6.30 don't they they always tend well, they were doing um, Great Spelling Bee they were doing the Spelling Bee it didn't that work they've got all Saturday. Star Family Feud in there now Sundays That's at 6.30 right. which yeah. is an hour format are they just after consistency though so that you know that it's at 7.30 for both Sunday and Monday nights and now Tuesday but 7 moves the block from 7 on a Sunday to 7.30 the rest of the time it's on mm. that doesn't seem to have hurt that so I think it'll work on a Sunday night but yeah if they've got these hour things they need to get rid of but yeah. there can't be many more All-Star Family Feud, surely. There's been a bunch of them. Well, you know, I would suggest to you that the block was so good last Sunday night when it started at 7 o'clock. There might have been some people thinking, I'll just watch this until Survivor starts, and they might have decided they liked the block so much they might have stayed. I mean, that's how good the first episode of the block was. I was astounded how good it was, and having that one-hour jump can can actually help. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've got a head start, because, you know, if you're, if you're comfy and you know, change the channel, I can't be bothered, you know. You know, I think I'll watch it on catch-up, and then you might forget, and, you know, the world moves on, doesn't it? Yeah, sure does. Dan, did you watch anything else this week? Uh, I've had a very bad TV week. I just haven't seen that much. At least nothing that's sort of new on TV. Uh, do you want to know what I've been watching during the week? Yes. Uh, I came across some uh, DVDs at home of Northern Exposure. So I've been watching old episodes. Of North- well, obviously, there's no new episodes. Retro week, um, DVD. Yeah, so 91, I think the show started wow. out. And the one thing that really just resonated with me while I was watching it is they don't make TV shows like that anymore. I was talking about how US uh, broadcast So you can't shows. Watch- oh, No, I disagree. Well, because... <laughs> That's what 800 words is. I think of 800 words as being a new northern exposure. Well, okay, I'm framing an idea of US broadcast at the moment. Okay. There's nothing like that coming from there anymore. No, nothing from there. And I'm wondering right. why US networks aren't maybe looking at some of the previous formats that have worked. Not necessarily a remake of northern exposure, but like look at that and just find like the spiritual successor of it. Like just find a way to really engage. I find it hard form. to believe in the four or 500. Episode, series that are being made that there's not something very similar. Not really. Theme, oh, there must be, come on. No, US broadcast, it's all just murder of the but week. But just on this too, so you're too busy for two episodes of Australian Survivor. No, three episodes I'm too busy for. No, no, I think you said two. <laughs> three you're definitely out of. Oh, yeah, three's definitely out. Two was questionable. Let's say it's questionable. But you can watch the DVDs of Northern Exposure. <laughs> you, you know how I can fit that in? <laughs> because I've got a partner who's happy to watch episodes of Northern Exposure, okay, but I have so to work around her. You can't, yeah. To watch Australian Survivor. So you can't have that. You'll have to it's too be difficult. a late night or... Basically, I'm an Australian Survivor with the <laughs> feats of strength I have to go through just to watch a couple of programs. <laughs> now, a show I wanted to watch last night, I think you might have seen... Um Versailles. Look, I, I fell asleep actually. I, I, I was going well, to. Well, not surprising. Today. It didn't finish till 11. I know. I had no idea. It went for two, uh, two uh, hours and um, I fell asleep. And when that happens, I just switch it off uh, and go they, to bed. Are they running but a couple was, episodes? Well, I think they've had the first two episodes on their SBS on demand side for a few weeks actually. Yeah. And I've been hanging out to see it because I remember seeing it on Gogglebox UK and how everyone, like, just w- their mouths were open during the first episode. For sex nudity dwarf under the skirt of the queen doing god knows what gay sex full frontal nudity and i mean it looked incredible the locations and it's it it really looked amazing i don't know whether it's going to stay like that the whole time but uh yeah i I can't wait to sit down and really pay attention yeah i mean I, i overlooked it because i mean i was out and then i i would have recorded if i'd remembered but didn't get a great 
Did it, it wasn't a big buzz about it this week, was there? Well, I d- or am well, I watching the wrong promos? Or the look, I, I guess we didn't get a buzz. The, the fact was that when it launched in the UK, it was being touted there as the most expensive drama to ever come out of France, and they screened it on BBC Two, and there was all sorts of tabloid outrage after the first episode because there was so much sex. But in I it. think I'm, what I'm saying is maybe SBS could have played that up a little bit more. To you know, I mean, it was still their number one show last night, but. On a reasonably small audience numbers last yeah. night, but you know that happens very rarely for a nine thirty pm program. Now, yeah. I would presume most people listening don't actually know what the show is. Uh, so I saw the first episode when it aired in the UK, I think. So this is a show that was actually made for the French market. It aired on Canal Plus, and it's English language, which outraged a lot of French people <laughs> because you know yeah. it's a French story. So we're looking at something set in who is it? It's Louis the Fourteenth. Yes, I think. Yeah, and it's about the construction of the palace in Versailles while there's lots yep. of sex and you know all manner of fornication going on yeah yeah, it's very French very yeah. French but no it's, it's pre-French revolution I'm glad you told yeah. me it was in English because of the 20 minutes I was awake for last night I was trying to figure out I was going this is a French show why are they talking in English and at yeah. one stage I thought I saw someone's lips and they didn't seem to be moving I'm like oh they dubbed that from French to English just for this part but it was a French Canadian co-production as well yeah, so maybe right. the, the Canadian broadcaster came in and said we need English or well, part of it, because there's a bit of a renaissance of French TV right now, and it's really traveling remarkably well overseas. So I think this was an effort to make a really saleable program, which would travel. And I've heard, I think, when it originally started, some people were calling it a French Downton Abbey too, but a, a French raunchy Downton Abbey. It's, well, yeah, it's much raunchier, but <laughs> in terms of it looking lush, mm. it really was. You know, like, I didn't really buy this pre-publicity for the Durrells on 7 this week. It's the new Downton Abbey. Mm, no, no, not really. I think that it's just... It's two completely different yeah, shows. Just because it's British doesn't make but it But I the thought new that Downton was Abbey. a really interesting thing for 7 to show. I mean, it's not their audience, is it? I would have... That's like an ABC. Well, there's art house series, isn't it? It's a seven two audience. Don't forget, seven two mm. play a lot of the older ABC yeah, stuff. Yeah, but they go for the cornier older mm. ABC stuff. I mean, this is quite. This is a real literary adaptation of you know. It's interesting because somebody, I think maybe I read it in your magazine. Maybe it was uh, Angus Ross said. You know, we see it as being very uh, similar to eight hundred words in that they're, they're kind of shows are a little bit similar. And I noticed they did an encore last night of both shows. at 800 words and then the Durrells and it's like well it ain't setting the world on fire on a Wednesday night by itself maybe it'd be better off coming on after 800 words on a Tuesday night if the the two shows complement each other maybe that's where they should be putting it so when but the the um, encore must have started quite late though didn't it yeah yeah we're talking about you know 10 10 or 11 last night yeah okay Okay. because they um they tried, they screened um, Selling Houses Australia last night. Which was very interesting. Mm. Wasn't that interesting? We talk, we talk I mean, we talked here uh, uh, before the Olympics about, you know, would, would uh, Foxtel ever sell on the Real Housewives of Melbourne to a commercial mm. channel? And, you know, for so long, Foxtel have been saying, we don't sell it's our shows. They never do, is it? Yeah. yeah, we don't sell it. You've got to subscribe. You've got to watch it here. And all of a sudden, they're Selling Houses Australia on seven. Is, is there a change? Are they now going to say, well, maybe we'll 
sell on some of our reality formats, but we're going to keep our dramas in-house. Well, I don't think anything's sacred. I think if someone's going to pay for the stuff after they've had it for a little while, I think they'll sell it on because they think it's commercial, you know. And those episodes of Selling House, I mean, how many? That's just There's one on every night virtually. On <laughs> You can be guaranteed on Lifestyle somewhere. So, But then again, there's still only a third of the population max with Foxtel. Yeah. So there's still a lot of people haven't seen it, but... It, a little bit disappointing, you know, 500-odd, a bit over 500,000. It's a pretty good show. Yeah. Um, thought it might have done a little bit better. And they cut some new promos too for it, which was interesting. So you've got the Shana Blaze now on seven selling houses, nine on the block, and on Foxtel and selling houses. Is there something she can do on ten? Could she maybe go on, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here next year? Couch time. Couch time, my favourite show. Mm. Not. <laughs> Now, Dan, I've neglected to bring the list. So while I ask uh, Andrew this next question, could you pull up that um, top 20 TV shows of the 21st century for me? You know what? I actually pulled it up for you early and shut down the browser. Uh, I'll have it for you in just a moment. Wait, okay. Now, was this Thank the you. top 20 shows? or Because I saw top another 20, list the other sorry, day. Sitcoms. Sitcoms. And, sitcoms. and the Brits voted on this, didn't yes, they? Yeah. It was yeah. in the Radio Times. It's pretty fascinating. So yeah. we'll, we'll talk through that in a second. But uh, what else have you seen this week? There's, there's something I just want to point out to you about UK TV. Um, UK the channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. UK TV, the the cornerstone of their primetime schedule has been Coronation Street and EastEnders. You know, you see them in the top 20 Foxtel shows all the time. And those shows have always aired with one ad break in the middle. Okay. Which they have to cut into the BBC episode of EastEnders because there are no ads on BBC. So they create an ad break. They've now moved the shows a little bit later into the evening and suddenly EastEnders is going out with two ad breaks now um, after, you know, nearly 30 years. And so the other night during like one of the the biggest reveals of all time. So basically a character, everyone said, oh my God, Ben Mitchell's dead. They're all crying. They go to the hospital to identify the body. And it's not Ben, it's another character. And his grandparents are at home thinking he's asleep in the bedroom. So we're building to this great reveal where the, the, the grandparents are going to find out that it's their kid on the slab. And after the second commercial break, someone at UK TV played the wrong segment of the episode. Mm. They screened the segment of the episode from tomorrow night. So all of a sudden, in the middle of this really delicate moment, the action jumped to the wrong episode to the point that clearly they got a lot of complaints the next night UK TV played the first episode in full apologised and my point with that is well people make mistakes all the time but they're getting greedy with two ad breaks and they got punished for it yeah, what a mistake. How much later in the night does it move to? Look, it's, it's, I think uh, they now screen at like, I think EastEnders screens at 7.50pm now at okay. night. Um, but if you actually look at the amount of time they've got, that extra ad break has, they've used the extra ad breaks to stretch those shows out and bring them to the half hour at 8.30. But they're slipping in more ads. For sure. What was the series that went to an extra night in the UK? Well, uh, Coronation Street's going to start broadcasting a sixth episode from next year. Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the UK TV will have to figure out how they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Anything else on your list before we... Um... The, uh, yeah, the, only, the other thing I want to complain about <laughs> is... Uh, 
West Side, the prequel to Outrageous Fortune, which Nine screened on Gem up against the Olympics Series 2. They had 10 episodes. And this show was set in 1981 up against the backdrop of the Springbok Rugby Union Tour. Um, and there were 10 episodes, and they basically screened it every night. One, Some nights they'd screen it for two episodes. Some nights they'd start at 8.30, other nights at 9.30. It was all over the shop. It took me about half an hour to program my VCR because I had to tape it off Gem, which doesn't come through the Foxtel. And it was leading up to the 10th and final episode on the Saturday night, the last episode of the season. And then I noticed on my Twitter feed that that episode was screening in New Zealand on the Sunday night. And I thought, that's a bit weird. Surely we're not seeing that before the Kiwis. So I asked a question on Twitter to Westside. Well, what's going on here? All of a sudden, when I then tried to watch Westside that night on Channel 9, this was like the Friday night or the Thursday night, the advertised episode didn't screen. Something else was on in its place. And sure enough, when it finished on the Saturday night, they were one episode short, weren't they? (laughs) So then the 10th and final episode screened in New Zealand. And then somebody told me that Channel 9 just screened that 10th episode just sometime the week after. (laughs) No, no. nothing. So I only watched it for nine episodes and didn't get to see the last episode. And what I find, the point I make about this is they now screen 10 hours of New Zealand drama that counts as local drama points and you might notice that during that period just after that they announced that a whole bunch of shows they'd promised for 2016 aren't screening so the house of bond doctor doctor all being pushed back to 2017 and house husbands and i reckon they were using west side to build up their drama points and I'm not happy because I missed the last episode. You know what? It's a shame that... Because they are using these programs as filler. It's a shame they're not actually highlighting a little bit more because there's a lot of really great New Zealand productions. It'd be the nice shows to... are really, really... Yeah. That West Side is a great show. Outrageous Fortune was a great show. You know, I went to a lot of trouble to You're watch that show. You're a massive Outrageous Massive fortune fan. fan. It's a great show. Um, Still but, being made over there? It's not, is it? Uh, well, no. What they no. did was they started making this sequel, West Side, which is about oh, sorry, yes. grandfather Ted West when he was a young man okay. set back in the 70s. 70s and now 80s. Uh, but it was just a one-off? They did a series one, six episodes. They've done series two, ten, ten. episodes. And, okay. I, and, you know, they're squeezing a bit more out of it, I reckon. I reckon they're going to do more. Interesting. And you know what? You're right. There's an awful lot of New Zealand stuff on TV at the moment. I mean, let's be truthful here. 800 words. I mean, we talk about it being Australia's new number one drama. Mm, it's, it's a not, Kiwi drama. Yeah. It's ma- it's a co-production. It's made by South Pacific, who are the company that make Westside. It's a mostly Kiwi cast. Eric Thompson comes from New Zealand. It's yeah. the interiors are filmed in studios in New Zealand. That is a New Zealand show. So don't tell me that Kiwi dramas don't work on Australian TV because 800 words words proves it does yeah they're always bolder they're a little bit braver in their storytelling as well like it's just yeah there's a lot of great stuff and of course now this weekend we've got on sunday night the real housewives of auckland on arena tv on foxtel and then next week on lifestyle the bachelor new zealand which is their second series i think arena is it on arena i think it's arena Arena. and i think it's tuesday night yeah Yep. Okay, James, uh, now, we're do this list. Yeah, we're going to have a quick look at this list. Then rem- I want to speak to you about Netflix. Yeah. After this, we do this list before we wrap up. Okay. 
uh, basically what this is, it's a list from the Radio Times in the UK. They've done a list of the best uh, sitcoms from the 21st century. So this is only comedies, you know, 2000 onwards. Okay, coming in number one. Uh, Andrew, you haven't seen this list? No, I have seen this oh, list. you have seen it? Okay, then you know about the horrors that are Mrs. <laughs> Brown's Boys. <laughs> yes. Right there at number but which one. Which you can get. I mean, I don't think it's the best, but I get it that a lot of people like it. Yeah. It is hugely popular. Yeah. And it it is funny, some of it. And it has been the highest rated show in a hugely competitive time slot. It's been the highest rated Christmas Day show in the UK now for the last two years. So it's like one of those those cult, or not even cult, but one of those sort of classic UK sitcoms where there's not a lot of episodes. They don't make a bunch of them, which is something that don't oversupply the fan base and you build this you know mm. this mystique about the program yeah uh, but just running through the list so I'll go from number one onwards uh, so Mrs. Brown Boys topped the list The Office being the UK original uh, which a lot of people might think should be number one yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, number three Peter Kay's Car Share now stop, which stop again there to confuse the few of us exactly. in the office exactly no one is. Yeah. That has I'm never travelled out of the UK, right? Yeah, but which is making me think I'd want to try and find this on a, some platform and see what's going on. Yeah, there's a few here that'll have some head scratches. <laughs> uh, the next one, Counts Arthur Strong. Who? What? <laughs> okay, now I knew what this one was, but yeah, this is one that definitely should not travel out of the UK. Okay. You know, this can just stay with those Brexit voters. It's right. all fine. <laughs> uh, number five, the IT crowd. Which makes sense. Uh, thick of it. That's Gavin still very high, though, for the IT crowd, isn't it? Yeah. It's made a good show, but, yeah. but number th- five is pretty good. I think that's one of these shows that have survived and lived on quite well because of things like Netflix and DVDs yeah. and stuff. It's, yeah, it's become beloved that way. Geeks love watching shows about geeks, don't they? Uh, I'm not sure that's really necessarily true. <laughs> well, hang on. No, Big no. Bang Theory? No, no. Hello. The hardcore nerds hate the Big Bang Theory. Uh, do they really? No. It's your average person oh, who doesn't oh, know. Really? Well, yeah. they only hate it because it got so popular. Ah. Uh, because yeah. everybody was in on the I'm not trick sure that, then. Because sure when true, you're James. watching a show like that, as soon as everybody likes it, you go, oh, well, I'm going to find something else cool. No, we're talking about the nerds and not the cool kids, James. <laughs> <laughs> I was a cool kid. Well, they both act the same, don't they? Okay, anyway. Number six, The Thick of It. Uh, Gavin and Stacey, Miranda, Raised by Wolves, Outnumbered, Peep Show, uh, which I thought should be much higher up on the list. Uh, Black Books, which I thought would be higher up again. Uh, Green Wing, The Inbetweeners, Bad Education, Peter Kay's Phoenix Knights, Phoenix Knights, which shows they love Peter Kay. Yonderland, or Yonderland, uh, 2012, which was the uh, 2012 Olympics comedy. Just, you know, I could see the blank look on your face, uh, yeah. Andrew. Uh, Benadorm and the Detectorists. What? I would uh, well I'm going to say that Raised by Wolves you can watch for free on SBS On Demand I watched that the other day because I'd heard a bit about it yeah um, that's okay I'm surprised the Inbetweeners wasn't higher on that so list. I thought that'd be higher yeah, up yeah I thought so too yeah but it makes me think listening to that again though that there's you think of the classic British sitcoms of the last century and they're all household names here and we're struggling to yeah. to know any of these ones. But Which, by the way, way, this weekend in the UK, they yeah, start those... remakes. Yeah, they've, yeah. D- they've got a new version of Are You Being Served, a new version of Porridge, <laughs> and that, that's actually going to out in the, on Saturday or Sunday night in the UK. But look, the other thing, too, is about these lists. One of the things I don't like about these lists where people vote is that the most recent and most popular shows win because people are familiar with them and they remember them. Oh, so the Mrs. Office, Brown's Boys is still on. The Office, though. Well, that was, that's a good point. It's been point. a long but, time. David Brent's movies uh, oh. in cinemas. It's out there. It, he's back in 
Yeah, no one wants to see that. Uh, <laughs> it sounds so bad, doesn't it? I but, don't know. I've read some good reviews. Have you? Oh, I've seen some shockers. Uh, a couple of things that kind of caught my attention was that I thought coupling would have made that list, considering the size of that show in the early 2000s. Uh, I put it out to my personal Facebook group, and I got a couple of other replies back, and they were pointing out, uh, was it The Mighty Boosh, uh, Father Ted, and Smack the Pony, which I think are three shows that I would have thought would make the list. Yeah, I would have thought Ted, Father Ted got thought. Made, started being made in the 90s. Uh, maybe it is, technically. Um, and the show that, that is missing from the list for me is Nighty Night. Julia Davis's black, 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 black comedy yeah um, you know there's a couple there that I think are missing but I wonder who the Radio Times audience is exactly I'm wow. guessing it's well, is that, a bit was that a Radio Times Radio list Times. oh okay yeah. Radio <laughs> Term- Times yeah, I've reason. always thought is a slightly older slightly conservative audience and I think if you look at that list it does reflect that yeah. to an extent yeah and the, the Radio Times is really still about print you can't they, yeah. they don't put anything online virtually there's no app and you, fl- you, know, if they you just look don't at, encourage that new age audience if you look at the wasting of that list all the shows that are in that top 10 really play much older yeah. whereas like the back end is a lot of the youthier yeah comedies. then again yeah. the office is on there it oh, yeah, crowd it black books yeah. but it has that crossover appeal whereas mm. something like bad education and the in-between it's hard to imagine so much maybe with the exception of the office any of those shows really matching the um the footprint those classics have of the that they're remaking for example you know i've got to say though i'm absolutely fascinated to see this this new stuff that they're doing celebrating 60 years of british sitcom on the bbc they're doing a young hyacinth and a a prequel to keeping up appearances i mean it's a very bold initiative to do so many shows at once yeah i can't wait to see sorry i can't wait to see how you're being served (laughs) that's this new actor that's this sunday night in the UK? Yeah. Saturday or Sunday in the UK. Two of them together. Are are you being served? Followed by Porridge and then later in the week two others. And I know Steptoe and Son is still to come. And And I did ask the BBC some time ago about this where it might be shown here and they weren't sure last time I asked them so it's something we should check up on Dan. Mm. um, I don't understand what's going on. Seven would do well with that because Seven used to be the home of a lot of those classic didn't it? Was it Father Dear Father? um, Well see what Seven used to do was the, the, the shows would, would screen on the ABC. Back, back in the 70s, people didn't watch the ABC, remember? Mm-hmm. Even though we only had 7, 9 and 10 and the ABC, there were some people that never watched the ABC. So Are You Being Served would screen there and all these sort of British sitcoms and then they'd go to Channel 7 the ratings would go through the roof. Are You Being Served be the number one show on TV and it's like, this is the third or fourth time it's been on TV. There was just that really bizarre group of people that never watched. Are they redoing Steptoe and Son? They are redoing Steptoe oh, and Son. That'd be classic. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. Um, I was just thinking, Dan, before, it would be great to see the data on Stan... Netflix and Presto during the, the, that Olympics fortnight. Wow, would that that be fascinating, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I know for the last Olympics, Netflix were really housing that a lot of people had come on board the service at that point. But yeah, there was nothing this year really talking about their viewership. But oh. in part, they don't really talk about... Well, no, no, they yeah. don't. It'd have to be a third party that, you know, were some... Mm. Um, some um, ISP that would be able to chart from their um, their traffic yeah. whether the um, usage of Netflix was, you know, spiking through the roof or whatever. But I'm thinking they would have done pretty well. I've no- I noticed that uh, Wolf Creek that was made for Stan this year starts on British 
TV next week. Next that's digital one. TV. Yeah, it's on the Fox Horror channel. Yes, and it Is starts it on Tuesday night. It's Fox and Horror. No, I think it's just Fox. I think it's called Fox. Yep. It's one of their, their Sky it doesn't channels. doesn't sound like a big... No, it's, but, you know... But Fox, Fox though, could be one of the big drama channels on Sky, maybe. But it was sort of listed as the the the, the satellite show of the okay. day. Yep. And the night before, on Monday night, uh, MasterChef Australia, mm-hmm. starting there, which I presume is the latest series that just screened on 10. And then a few nights later in the week, Love Child is also screening on E4, okay. um, which yeah. I think is where... Well, no, I know that Wentworth ended up on some extra channel of Channel 5s. It started on 5, it's been screening there. Um, and it's been dumped to the digital channel because everyone in the UK is now downloading it from Australia. Mm. You know, they need to screen that show simultaneously now in the UK and Australia. Yeah, uh, similar news with the Kettering incident, which this morning they announced they've sold it to Amazon in the US. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about the last episode of the Kettering incident oh, well, without giving it away? I haven't seen it, but go ahead. Well, I just You're thought gonna it watch was... It? I'll get to it. All right. I just thought it was I've got a lot more than exposure to get through. The greatest... Australian drama of the year until that last episode and that's all I'm saying <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, well, it's an open end there wasn't really yeah but I, I was talking to Dan about this earlier and that's one of the reasons I'm not binge watching something else we'll maybe just get to before we sign off I've come to accept that we're not going to find out in the final episode what happens hardly in anything these days which is unsatisfactory very unsatisfactory but but it's happens before, doesn't it? It happens in most things these days. Happening glitch. And I get you get you get sort of used to it, you know. It's like if you get hit enough, you get used to it. And think, oh well, I can I can take this. And then so you just enjoy. I mean, as I did with Kettering, it was still a pretty amazing. It was, it was amazing. episode, wasn't it? You know. Yeah. And it was so out there that I'd really love to sit down and watch it all again. And I said to Dan, it'd be great to get the creator in one day and just to talk us through mm-hmm. it too, just to help out too to explain you know Mm. uh, what's going on because it it's it's sort of deep and and you just don't get it all. I think this is a really interesting place when and when everyone makes uh, their first series of course they wanted to go for a few more series and yeah that last episode if you if you end it and you know like Wayward Pines and go well that's it we only want to do one season then it's a huge success and the network demands you do a second series and you've got to go back to the drawing board but I actually did think Kettering Incident finished they, they really answered nothing the ending was really just Here's some more questions. Bye now. <laughs> and not even we don't even know that they're making a second series. Of course they will. Oh, it was yeah, a huge absolutely. success for Foxtel. Yeah, they, they cannot not But make they're it. in a lot. But listen, the, I reckon they're in a bit of trouble. The, re, the reason why they haven't already announced a second series. Where they, they clearly go? haven't signed Elizabeth Debicki for another season. And, and she's key to it. She's she the star be, of it. She? If she's a little bit too hot to trot now and doesn't want to go back to... What about the criticisms that I've heard of her where she just sort of stands, doesn't act, just walks into a scene and (laughs) it's just her and that's what she did in, was it the Midnight... um, Uh, The Night Manager. The Night Manager. Again, she was just an adornment. I mean, I don't agree with this. She's a little bit like that in A Man From Uncle as well. I get it why people say it. She's just an adornment. She looks beautiful. She doesn't really actually do much. Maybe doesn't bring a lot to the to the scene she's in yeah. you know it's quite i think it's quite funny isn't it that, that you know but but i think it as you say it's crucial she's um it'd be hard be hard pressed clearly it's hard i mean you could do something like you know the mystery of the second season is what happened to her 
Well, I suppose. But, I mean, if, when you see that ending, you'll go, well, I'm sorry. Well, actually, oh, actually no. There is a there is a way that you could just suddenly mm. go, what happened to her? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I wanted to talk about the weekend of July 16th and how I think it's a turning point, okay, for the way that we're consuming things like Netflix. Okay. Well, why have you what brought this up now, though? That that we're at the end of winter. This is like six weeks ago. Well, because it didn't really sort of resonate that heavily. Okay. What happened July 16th? Was that Stranger Things on Netflix? Okay, well, bring that up in a second. Okay, so there was, <laughs> a, cultural, ahead, there was a cultural event filled with 1980s references, okay, really bringing back old culture. And what was that program called? Just, Stranger no, Things. You were right. Stranger Things. Yeah. Right. No. The Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> the exact same weekend that Stranger Things came out, Ghostbusters was in the screens. I looked across my social media, and for the six weeks that have followed since then, everyone, despite all the conversation about Ghostbusters leading up to that weekend, no one's really talking about that movie. Everyone's talking about Stranger Things ever since then. And I think that marks the ch- turning point for Netflix, where they gave that show no publicity leading up to it. Like, yeah. there was just nothing. It just cropped up on the service. People started talking about it. Word of mouth developed. People by the end of that weekend we're all talking about that show memes have sprung out of her everyone knows who Barb is like you know just these minor characters on the show there was a clue to this a couple of years back though and I'd say it's four years ago now Mm. when the first Sharknado aired on Sci-Fi and the amount of tweets about that were huger than any big American blockbuster in the cinema complexes that year and I think that you know the reality is I read a variety report that said that movie going is at an all-time 100-year low on a per-head basis, that they the Hollywood is covering up how bad the figures really are with uh, inflation, 3D prices. and IMAX and the grosses, and I think that you can, you just have to look at the amount of remakes and sequels that have bombed this year and underperformed, and I mean, here in Australian cinemas this weekend, we've got Ben-Hur, and I think that says everything you need to say about <laughs> how terrible the movie industry industry is now and how TV has overtaken it, that you would take a biblical epic that's considered a classic of American cinema and won 11 Academy Awards, which was not beaten until Titanic came along, and that you would remake a biblical epic for today's audience and then wonder why it fails. I mean, they never should have remade it. That The whole thing was was a, um, a terrible mistake from the beginning, but they went ahead and did it, did it, they're going to lose all this money, and meanwhile, while they are stuffing up the movies, TV is screaming ahead, and I think you're absolutely yeah. right, Dan. The only thing that works these days for movies to actually get that cultural cut through, serialised things, so that's Marvel films, where the storyline continues film into film, Star Wars movies. Like, outside of that, nothing's really quite getting that conversation happening. Outside of DC movies and how everyone seems to hate them. Yeah. But, like, in terms of actually, like, celebrating and wanting to really engage in a text, it's like, it's serialised stuff in a cinema screen. But other than that, it's all Netflix. I went to see Ghostbusters and I wanted to like it after all that negativity that had been out there about girls can't remake this film and this is the feminazis and it's the worst reviewed trailer in the history of YouTube and all that. I was the film. I'm not joking. <laughs> I did not laugh once and I wanted to laugh. I just... Well, it's not hard to make you laugh, is it? <laughs> hmm? 
I think I've I mean, got a good sense of humour. Yeah. You laugh at I just laughed more at the car coming in here listening to <laughs> Melissa McCarthy <laughs> sing a song with Barbara Streisand on her new album today. I laughed three times during the shtick they did in the song. I didn't laugh once at her in Ghostbusters. Yeah. But no, I just found it to be a... Because if you look at the two texts, like both of them are really heavily reliant on 1980s pop culture. Yeah. So really sort of get them over the line. Yeah. And it was just like this real stark difference between the two. Could Stranger Things be Netflix's biggest hit after um, House of Cards? Um, I'm not too sure. I mean, it, like, I think maybe well, what my else would it be competing with? My Orange is the New Black. Oh, yes, of Orange is the New Black, I think, is their biggest program. But Stranger Things... not bigger than House of Cards. Stranger Card. Things seems to have real resonance. People are still talking about it. Yeah. And one of the things that they talk about with when you binge all these episodes, like they do with Orange and House of Cards, is that everyone watches it over weekend, talks about it, never talks about it again. The conversation about Stranger Things it's is continually... It's which, intensifying. Which t- tells me that it has become a but, cultural yeah, touchstone. Yeah, but for me too... Which is why it took six weeks to get to... Orange is the New Black to me is a little bit more... Not exactly niche, but it doesn't cross over as widely as I think House right. of Cards yeah, and Stranger Things. I agree, yeah. Because Chick's in a prison. I okay, agree. I get it. But yeah. not everybody wants to watch that, whereas yeah. anybody can really yeah. find it, you know. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah. Um, and, and this even more so maybe than House of Cards, which is still a political thriller. And there's still some people who are going, yeah, okay, might be good, but not for me. I think it's because it's a bit more family friendly. It's yeah. sort of got that crossover of people who grew up in the 80s, people who watched that stuff in VHS. Feel good stuff. It's the edgy horror. And yep. you do get those shivers, don't you? Yeah, watching yeah it's you know, really right. good. You know, hmm. Very clever, but I, yeah, anyway. But I haven't binged to the end. Have you binged to the end? I haven't. No, my partner went ahead and watched it in the middle of the night and I got okay. up the next morning and he'd finished it without me. A bit of a sore point, actually. <laughs> yeah, and thanks you did, for that. didn't you, Dan? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I don't think it's much of a binge. It's only eight episodes. Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy down. just to watch him. But that speaks know. to the power of it that yeah. he couldn't stop watching mm. it and stayed up all night to watch it. Well, like, I didn't do that. I just watched three episodes one night, three the next, yeah. and two. I mean, it's oh, like... Oh, schedule the under control. Uh, Very clever. Uh, <laughs> I had to fit in that episode of Northern <laughs> Exposure. <laughs> well, I did that after Stranger Things, to be fair. How many Northern Exposures were there? How long did oh, that go? Seven seasons? Well, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, but there's 22 like, episodes each, too. Oh, no, no not a, that's not really true, because the first two or three seasons were only like... Only 13. Um, six episodes in the first one, like another four episodes or something. You know my then, theory on Northern Exposure. Mm. I always thought, because I was living over there at the time, and my theory was that we went through the Twin Peaks thing and it was just too weird. ABC did Twin Peaks and everyone talked about it and then it, it just like got a, too weird for them, right? It was Twin Peaks for the... Yeah, I just white, thought CBS yeah. looked at that and went, hang on a second, let's do that, but just mm. not make it so weird. Because they're both filmed in almost exactly the same spot in Washington yeah. State, near the Canadian border. And I mean, I loved Northern Exposure. It was killer show and I've always wondered why we didn't do a version of it here in Australia and do be- and do it like set up in Cairns or Cape Tribulation where it's really super hot and so the people were all weird because it was so hot the way they were in Sicily because it was so cold they were all a bit nutty the way they dealt with the snow. Well we tried it we just set in a coastal town and had a uh, single thought in it. Yes but that town was in Victoria it doesn't work <laughs> it's got to be somewhere where it's stinking hot. Parallels between Kettering and Stranger Things? Mm. 
Yeah, I can't help thinking when I'm watching it, though, at times, you know. No, no, See, no. I, th- I found uh, Kettering was really reminding me of Twin Peaks. Oh, OK. That town that, and all the nutty stuff going on in the yeah, town, but just the fact that, that everyone well, was a Just bit that disappearance, though, in both the shows and the strange unknown forces and stuff like that. Well, well, it's unexplained Twin Peaks, too. Uh, that's what uh, I, I would okay. say with the Twin Peaks, that Twin Peaks is an actual, like, direct inspiration for Kettering Incident. Yeah. So Vicky Madden, when we interviewed her for the Media Week magazine, yeah. uh, she referred to things like Twin Peaks and a lot yeah. of Scandi Noir stuff as the direct inspirations yeah. for the show. And I'm still calling the new season of Twin Peaks next year the TV event of 2017. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. If it screens in 2017. No, I think it will. So, I mean, it will definitely air. But the th- strange things with TV shows is that the things you really anticipate never end up being the things that you really get excited by that year. Stranger Things, case in point. So, yeah, it's something that just comes you weren't expecting, right? Exactly. Because TV is reflective of the cultural mood of the time. And so, if you try to anticipate what the mood's going to be six months from now, you can't do Let's it. Let's stop it with that quote. Yeah. What a oh, way yeah, to wrap. That's good. What that's a way good. to wrap it. Now, say that TV is reflective of the, the cultural, cultural, cultural mood. Of the, time. of the time the zeitgeist James. that's our name there's the <laughs> show title <laughs> Dan Barrett thank you mate thanks James Andrew Mercado thanks James enjoy your television over the next few days I will yep. uh, people should check out the website mediaweek.com.au check us out on social media uh, Media Week AUS if you like this podcast subscribe tell your friends tell your friends friends also I don't know how you're going to do that uh, also this podcast we have seven days as part of the podcast feed very shortly it's going to split off into two so if you like seven days the weekly wrap of the media events of the week do subscribe to that just do a search in your podcast search engine of choice and it'll come on up and if you'd like to see andrew mccardo's quirky daily take on what you might be watching um check out mediaweek.com.au every afternoon he puts up his um picks for the night sounds good okay bye-bye everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.